You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! It's the Valley Velociraptor here. What's going on? The Inverness T-Rex. Yeah. I actually had a couple of people reach out that they liked that nickname for you. I like it. You're going to have to live up to the T-Rex identity, though. What do I... Sharpen those nails. What do I have to do? Well, you're the head honcho now. I have to just be a murderous (laughs) tyrant. You and George. Yeah. There are dinosaurs that won over T-Rex, though, aren't there? That won over? Like beat. Defeated. Uh, I don't know. Like a gang of... Velociraptors, maybe? No, raptors are small. Yeah, but if there's a lot of them, power in numbers. Jurassic Park. Yeah, but like 10,000 kids in grade one, I could probably beat up. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're straying now. (laughs) So what's going on, everybody? How you doing out there? It's a beautiful October. It was zero degrees today. Yes. How was your cold dip this morning? It was awesome. The water's finally getting nice and cold, so it stings and you can feel it in your whole body. Mm, We have a cold dip tub in our backyard now, so we don't have to drive to the ocean every time. And you've been going twice a day. Yeah. Are you noticing any changes? Because it's been a couple weeks since you've been doing this. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah? Yeah. Like, you feel more energetic or calm? What are the I think both of those things, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sleep sleep better. Good. Sleep better. You uh, you're not as sore from exercising. Mm-hmm. Recover better. And basketball is starting today. The NBA season opens today. Yes, yes. big day for you yeah. in your world of entertainment. I don't know if I'll actually watch any games, but I'll. You like to watch the highlights or listen yeah, to the I'm, I'm podcasts. Yeah, I more just follow follow along with the narrative. I don't really well, have time to watch games. And we're going to our very first NBA game in just a few weeks. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, going to be at a Lakers game. Yes. Pretty crazy. I'm pumped for that too. I like being in any big environment like that, be it sports or concerts or anything where it's kind of... Well, lots the, going on, lots to watch. The Lakers are kind of the, the pinnacle of that. Like there's celebrities around and just a lot of history there. Yeah. And the stadium looks really beautiful, actually. Yeah. Like comfy seats. I think they changed it. was the Crypto Center. Crypto. That's still it. Crypto.com, I which is a weird name for an arena. They all are like really boring names, but. Yeah. It's always just a sponsor's name. And I think. The crypto.com maybe is going on. <laughs> maybe Mike and Kristen should sponsor an arena. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to get some good podcast sponsors first. <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it. And uh, this week on the podcast, we have musician from New Brunswick, originally from Nova Scotia, Fall River area, Max Bougeot. Yes, this was, Max is such a nice guy. Yeah. We met him, or I met him, I should say, for the first time in person at the ECMAs, actually, this past ECMA. And 
he just kind of walked right up to us and introduced himself. And uh, yeah, we've kept in touch with him ever since online. So it was really nice to have him in the studio and learn more about his career. He's just so enthusiastic and in, in the middle of the exciting part, I guess, which hopefully that stays for him. But I just really loved his his positivity and outlook on what's happening for him right now. Yeah. I had played a show with him at the the World Junior Hockey Championships. That's right. So I'd met him then. And yeah, he's just a super nice guy. I was smiling just in uh, a positive energy he brings to, to everywhere he goes. And Did you guys heckle together at that game? Oh, well, I don't know if he got tickets to the game, no. unfortunately. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, Sorry, Max. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he did, though. Ever, Maybe he was in the box seats, No one else like... we talked to actually got tickets, so <laughs> we felt pretty lucky. You guys had good seats for gold that game, metal, Gold medal game tickets, <laughs> yeah. And well. Then, yeah, that was, that was super fun. Those are the perks that come with the job once in a while. Yeah. And I know Max was nominated for a Music New, uh, New Brunswick Award yes, this past yeah. weekend. Breakthrough and, artist. Yeah. So he's he's making his mark pretty quickly. Yeah. And we were proud to have him on. And he came down to see Togetherland after his interview, which was really yeah. kind of him. And We had a little uh, breakfast together. That's right. We did. <laughs> We've had a couple of guests stick around for some food, which yeah. is... A lovely way to kind of keep the chat going and get to know people a little bit more. Yes, yeah, after the mics are shut especially off, especially when they're they're good, good folk like like Max. You know, you just it's always just a pleasure to to hang out and mm. and here all the way from New Brunswick. Yeah, yeah least yeah. we can do is give him some bacon and eggs. Yeah, sausage and eggs. Sausage and eggs. You're out of bacon. We're still a hundred percent guests in studio. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's. The way it's going. The way it's going. And you've got, uh, so we've got music week coming up not too long from now with a week and a a little over a week coming up before that conference happens down in Yarmouth. They always do a great job putting that on. And uh, then we've got a trip to go on. I've got a doubleheader show November 17th and 18th at Togetherland. Yeah. Uh, one woman play that's happening, which is going to be so cool. And then you and okay, and then December second is Hearts of Kin at the Gallery. Yeah. And then the following weekend is your big show at the Marquee. Yes. Yeah. And I release a song in uh, November twenty fourth. So mm-hmm. brand new one called In Your Head. Just released a single art yesterday. Do you want to talk about that song, or would you rather wait wait to dive into a little deeper on another episode? We'll get, uh, closer to it okay because it is it's a great song and beautiful cover art and yeah i'm excited for this one to to go out to the world yeah get people excited to come to the show to hear it hear it live that's right i've got a bunch of friends who bought tickets to this show because everybody's i think december is actually a good time of year to go out because it's not quite freezing enough that you're in hibernation mode but it's this excuse to be like, okay, the weather's changing. It's kind of getting dark at night. Let's go out and just have a dance party and be with all our friends. Yeah. And that's exactly what we have planned. Oh, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. I want to fill that place. Yeah, it's going to be going to be bumping. So everybody mm-hmm. grab their tickets for Hearts of Kin on December 2nd. And then the following weekend is uh, turning the dial up for more of a, a loud rock show. A big one, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Well, uh, let's jump into our chat with Max, and we are going to play one of his songs at the end of the episode in the introduction. So we'll be playing Heart Thief. I think that's the song he sent. Yeah. I got to open the file, but I believe that's the one he sent along. 
And yeah, we won't be chatting anymore uh, in the introduction. So this is this is all we have to say other than this great conversation with Max. You'll have the, the pleasant sounds of his voice guiding you out of this episode. And you'll hear from us again next Wednesday. Okay, folks, thanks for tuning in and uh, thanks for all your support. Cheers. An RE20 classic radio broadcast mic. Yes, I've seen that one. I've sung in that one before. Yeah, Yeah. Michael Jackson used to use one of these. Cool. Whenever we watch (laughs) TV shows where there's singing or some kind of mic used, Mike, Mike, the person, asks me, like, what kind of mic is that? (laughs) Trying to quiz me, and I never have any idea. I just say a condenser mic every time because that's the only one I can remember. (laughs) Yeah, well, I know the basic mics, and I'm not much of a gearhead, but uh, I'm trying trying to learn because I know eventually I want to become a self-sufficient producer as well so yeah you don't really have to know that much oh to be honest well you just screw around you figure it out after a while right what are the key pieces that you would need or are they are there like 20 things well honestly i was watching a couple youtube videos last night and a lot of it was about uh, recording with uh, minimal equipment, and they talked about uh, Boney Vare's album for for Emma forever ago. Mm-hmm. He had one mic. Uh, I have a couple just lying around. Are they condenser mics? <laughs> no, they're dynamic mics. Uh, a Shure SM fifty seven used, um, often used on electric guitar. He used that for everything, just for his Jeez. acoustic guitar. His uh, vocals, every sound he made in that album was with one mic, and it's one of the biggest selling like folk albums of all time. It kind of set off an entire trend of music, like mm-hmm. yeah, like that's just good. showing like completely that it's all about the song and the emotion and everything attached to it. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't mean like having like having good gear and all that is, is a bad thing. But sometimes in a certain situation, having, being able to capture just the intimacy of a moment and the rawness of it is more important than having a $10,000 tube mic to capture it. True that. And nowadays people are doing it, you know, everywhere. People are screwing around on their phone recordings. Yeah, Yeah, good point. Anything does the job. I, I mean, I was just showing some of my friends a new song that I wrote and it was just recorded on like a voice recorder. We were jamming to it in the car, you know, yeah. enough to enjoy it. But I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't release it. I want, I want my sound to be professional when it comes out. But at the same time, part of me's always just thought, just record you with the acoustic and the vocals and get them all out there. Cause there's so many songs that I haven't released. Well, we're all our own worst critics and seek this perf- perfect tone or crispness. But there's something to be said for minimalists too. Like this happens in in painting. Some of the most renowned works of art are just a canvas painted one color. Because mm. there's something really powerful about that too. And there was an artist recently, I, I don't remember his name or what city had hired him, but he got a grant for, I think it was $70,000 US. And he was tasked with making this public art piece that would be seen maybe in a library or a ferry terminal or something. And he got the money and he did not touch 
this giant, he bought a giant canvas. That was it. He didn't paint or sketch a single thing on it, but he called it take the money and run. So he accepted this $70,000 grant and it was this whole thing like, but you didn't, you didn't paint anything. You did nothing. But it made such an artistic <laughs> statement that there was this debate over, is this art or not? And it actually went to court what? and he had to give the money back because they found that, no, this wasn't considered art. But I mean, think even now I'm telling this story, like the conversation that it started is mm. really the creative you, essence of it. I bet it. you the yeah. painting is worth more now. Though. Probably. Like the Banksy piece that when they hit the gavel went through the paper shredder. I don't yeah. know if you guys have heard of that story. And it, and in the, a moment, in a second, that painting tripled in value. Yeah. Because imagine. it had this performance element to it. So That's cool. Yeah. But imagine if he would have just done like one line or just even wrote his name. Yeah, then signature. Then called it art. Maybe. Let him keep the money. It's It opens up this interesting conversation Jeepers. of like who who determines this. In this case, the law did, mm-hmm. which seems unusual but i don't know yeah th- Food that for is thought. that is an interesting conversation what is art mm. if you just if you say something's art wouldn't that automatically make it art yeah well <laughs> yeah i guess so this is my creation it didn't do anything <laughs> but it's my creation yeah i had a roommate gosh i was only maybe 18 i was living in vancouver I had a roommate that hung a t-shirt on a what are these Coat hanger. Coat hanger, thank you. <laughs> Had that hung on on a nail on our wall. And he was like, This is my installation art. And wow. at that time I was like, oh, I think it's just a t-shirt, but I kind of <laughs> get it now that yeah, it's making a point. Well, we've seen some <laughs> pretty basic art in uh modern art museums. Yeah. In uh Vienna, I in particular, I remember we were at this museum and there's obviously some amazing pieces, but there was one that was just a blank canvas and just said Josh Smith on it. <laughs> That's kind of a joke we always yeah, have. Like, Seven million dollars. Yeah, it just I just it was paint a white canvas and painted in red and said Josh Smith. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was like worth millions of dollars. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the Imagine yeah. the conversation piece when you hang that up in your house. Who's John Smith? Oh yeah, I had no idea. Just yeah. Just spoke to me. That painting spoke to me. But that's the purpose it serves, I, I yeah. guess. Yeah, well, I mean, you can put as much or as little into it as possible. Yeah. But, I mean, if you go too deep, you're going to be working on one thing forever, right? So there's yeah. got to be a line somewhere that you draw. Do you find that when you're songwriting that are you mindful of this can't be too cryptic or metaphorical or it's not accessible anymore? Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think any of my songs are too, too cryptic i guess mm-hmm. um i like i like to make songs that people can understand and relate to pretty easily um and then leave some some room for uh creativity of course you know what i mean you keep it keep it interesting but they're relatable some, that way yeah some are like stories that you can follow from beginning to end or some are just like random random sentences stringed together on one different one same subject yeah is that the kind of music you have found you're drawn to? Or are you like all over the map? I'm pretty all over the map, really. Like my my influences over the years have been in a lot of different styles of music. Mostly rock. Like that's definitely my number one. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be a rock star. Like Slash from Guns N' Roses or something like that. <laughs> Axl Rose. I remember like Guns N' Roses was one of my big 
inspirations when I was young. And I got to see them in Halifax when I was 14. Nice. That was a big, big moment. That's a moment. Yeah. Yes. And then I joined my first band not long after that. Started writing with that band. I was just a rhythm guitarist. They called me like, hey, do you want to play bass? I was like, I don't, I don't play bass, but I'll play guitar. And then they were like, okay, come on over. We'll try you out. Yeah. <laughs> and it fit in. So then we... What was the first band name? It was called Already Casual. And we were based out of Waverly. We had this nice uh, shed that was insulated and we'd practice in there. Nice. Um, we we did get into a studio in Halifax called Denmark Productions. That's my first recording experience. Oh, yeah. yeah. But when we used to practice, I didn't have a microphone and the place was so small that I would just like scream at the top of my lungs. <laughs> I'm good, a pretty loud guy. Good for the voice. <laughs> yeah, probably not great. Yeah. A lot of people ask me sometimes, like, how do you sing like that for so long? And I'm like, I don't know. I just mm. have built up a tolerance to be able to do it, I guess. Yeah, you, you went through your reps of uh, strengthening your... Your your voice is a muscle, right? So For sure. You uh you you go through that experience where you don't have a mic, you have to sing loud. Yeah. So you're 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 ma- making it strong. Yeah. Do you guys have any preference of cuz you'd be most used to singing in microphones by now, I imagine, but like do you do you enjoy not having the plugged in version more or less or is it just kind of eh, same but different? Well, yeah. f- for me, it depends. If it's a, like a very small, like intimate audience where the room's not that big, you can get away with just sitting there and playing Depends and singing. But if it's yeah a venue where there's some some size to it and people further back, like they wouldn't be able to hear it. So you you need to mm-hmm. just to amplify yourself. Yeah, I love you know it's I love just being acoustic in a room with people that are just enjoying the, the raw music. Yeah. But there's also something special about <coughs> the sound of a good, you know, a good sound and a little bit of reverb, you know, you make you feel yeah. like you're in a big hall, like you get that rock star feeling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can understand, yeah, ven, venue dependent, but I'm yeah. even thinking of at the gallery, if I have events, I'll often stand up beforehand and give an introduction and use a mic but the last couple of events i've had i've not done that and just spoken because mm-hmm. i can project enough that the room can hear me and i feel more comfortable yeah maybe because i'm not used to hearing my own voice through a microphone but i just Probably. wondered if that was a thing for you guys well yeah there's a lot of people that freeze up in front of a microphone or yeah. in front of an audience and take take the microphone away and you're just talking right yeah. that's it you're what about this environment this is cool it feels yeah. like we're just Chatting. Chatting. Except mics. we have really nice mics in our face. They're, they're <laughs> Headphones on. Yeah. What about if we, so you're going to be our first guest that we've asked this question to, but we've had some of our listeners ask why we don't film our mm-hmm. interviews. And because that is a good promotional tool, perhaps for all of us. But yeah. we like to think that sometimes our guests have never done this before and there's something that changes your level of comfort if there's a camera on. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think about that? Would that... I don't... I just, you know, it definitely would add another factor of something to pay attention to, you know, being posturing whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. but... Gotta look good. <laughs> I'm sure that the people would love to see the sweet room that we're in, right? It's very nice. But at the same time, it depends when you're listening to the podcast. Let's say you're sitting down and you're watching something. Well, yeah, then it'd be cool. But 
me, I listen to podcasts mostly while I'm doing things on the go. Yeah. Like I love listening to you guys while I'm driving, you know? Mm-hmm. That's so. I'm the exact same. I've I might watch little clips like if I'm whatever stretching or something in the mm-hmm. evening. I have YouTube on. I might see some little clips, but for me, podcasts are something you can do, something you can listen to while you're doing other things. Yeah, you like you're out for a walk, you're going for a drive, you're mm-hmm. exercising, whatever it is. Like you're you you just have that on in your headphones and you're 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 moving. Like, mm-hmm. I'm never sitting still listening to a podcast myself. No, exactly. Yeah, I, I feel you, Mike. That's Everyone's what, that's different. what I mean. It's like it and it's a lot of work to to edit a video and put that together. Well, I mean, once you get the routine of it going, yeah, it's just another thing. But yeah. I don't see I don't see you guys losing any points on that <laughs> scale. Any scales just because you don't have a video. <laughs> so speaking of posture you are an occupational therapist. Yes. I trade. How is our posture right now? Oh, it's decent. I'm not really, uh, I don't really focus too much on ergonomics and such. I mean, obviously I have to, it's my profession to an extent, but OTs do so much different stuff. People don't understand. Everybody thinks we just, uh, we do office assessments, but there's so much more to it than that. I don't even do any of those in my day to day. I've been working as a community OT going into people's homes and making sure they have what they need at home to be safe and independent. So whether it be uh, old ladies having a hard time with her mobility, getting in and out of her house, or in and out of her bathtub, let's say, well, I'm going to go in and figure out what kind of equipment or what kind of strategies that we can get her to adapt in her life Mm -hmm. to make things easier and keep her independent, keep her at home. And would there be funding available for those upgrades through government? Yeah. yeah, there's all sorts of different funding organizations. Like in New Brunswick, you know, there's social development. There's, you know, you can go through people's insurances like Blue Cross. And it just takes a recommendation letter and some quotes and stuff like that, justifying why they need it, why they don't have the money to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And then you send it off. And usually it's approved. What a nice way to improve people's quality of life. It's great. Like people that are, you know, they're having a hard time. They don't have much money. And then they get a referral to the extramural program. That's where I've been working. And then I'll be like, oh, hey, I heard you have a problem with your mobility. Like, Can I come see you? And then I go into their house and I get to know them. Okay, how are you doing? Go through a general kind of questionnaire to start. But then I really get to know, you know, what's meaningful to them, what do you need to do, you know, and then help them to get what they need and make some requests. And usually, usually it's pretty great. Like I don't have very many people mad at me because I'm only going in to offer at least something a little bit better than what you're already living Mm in. You know, I just finished a six month training program with a New Brunswick organization actually, or she's, she's based in New Brunswick called Sensory Friendly Solutions. Her mm-hmm. name's Crystal Seaberger. I don't know if that name rings a bell to you in the OT world, but she, uh, the, the program is to help with accessibility and sensory type of things that you might not see in another person. Mm. And I've been able to apply that knowledge to my art gallery yes. so that when people come in, there are they're subtle, but I know they're there. Uh, specific things I've done to outfit the gallery to make mm-hmm. it more friendly, essentially, and welcoming to to folks. So that was my better understanding of what an OT has to offer as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a super cool thing that you did there. And I really want to go see Togetherland. I don't know if I'll be able to on, on this trip, but someday for sure I'm going to go check that out. Yeah, well, we're 
but uh, yeah, it's important to, to to be accommodating to everybody's needs. Um, it can be tough, you know, to 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 keep everybody happy. You don't want to burn yourself out trying to keep everybody happy. But I think in this case, Kristen, you're doing an awesome job. Thanks, Max. Making yeah. it more accessible to a wider audience of people. You learn, too, that some adaptations are good for some and not for others. Mm-hmm. That was a good key point in learning is mm-hmm. like you're saying, it, it's actually not possible to make it for everyone because the same upgrade can be good mm-hmm. or bad depending on what your circumstances are. Yeah, Like beeping in the grocery store you know when they scan an item and a sound goes off yeah Mm -hmm. she explained that for some people that can feel irritating like for those maybe that struggle with a social setting but for others Mm. that maybe aren't um if their sight is impaired hearing that Mm. is an important cue Mm. like that's just a small example but yeah is it loud going to tim hortons (laughs) is beep 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 all the time i don't know how people work in that but i salute them i tip them well thank you for the good coffee my friends (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's a hard thing to be able to work with when you know that it's not 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 only some people are gonna jo- just enjoy it and some not they're indifferent. It like actually affects them negatively. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that that makes it tough. She her big thing is adequate communication, so mm-hmm. your audience knows what to expect when they arrive. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure you guys when you're posting and promoting about a show like whether or not you've gone through this extensive training there's a general just yeah. awareness of okay this is the venue you're going to be in and what do we got to tell them okay we're going to tell them when where what's going on mm-hmm. it's going to be loud yeah i don't know about you mike but uh it's it's a it's a job doing marketing eh as a musician oh yeah it's that's probably 80 percent of it oh yeah i would say like everyone thinks just performing on stage is the most important part but to get the people out to see you perform is probably more important yeah and to get those gigs get those opportunities and such like that right you gotta be out there you gotta be a professional emailer no Mm -hmm. yeah you guys have been playing a lot lately though yeah what's been been your strategy what's been my strategy uh well i mean i started just about two years ago i just decided okay i'm gonna play as much as I can, wherever I can, reaching out to places. And, you know, after a while, you you get one gig and then they're like, oh, you'd be good here. And then they might give you an, a connection. And, then, you know, eventually you just get more gigs. But it's been a year and a half now that I've got the band going. Max Bouchot and the Milestones is a project that's very, very meaningful to me. And I, I think I put as much time into that as I do my my career, I have like I feel like I have two full time jobs. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like for about a year and a half, I was working eight to four Monday to Friday as an OT, and then every minute in between, I was finding ways to get a little bit further in my music career. Whether that be sending an email, sending a message, uh, applying for a grant. You know, applying yeah. for grants was huge. And uh, I really have Music New Brunswick and the government of New Brunswick to thank for their support. Because before I started, you know, receiving support like that, I was almost like, didn't really believe that I was, I was anything. You know what I mean? I was maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome or just like, felt like, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying. But now it feels like, okay, I'm actually doing this and people are 
telling me like, you're doing it, man. You're freaking awesome. You guys sound great. You're so much fun. Love the funny videos and blah, blah, blah. And it, it really feels like, okay, I made it. Okay, we can. You're doing it. We were doing this thing. And uh, even if it doesn't go any further than where we are right now, me and the boys are having a blast. Like we are four good friends. Yeah. We're able to get out on the road and play shows. We've been doing it almost every weekend. This summer was was nuts. It was super fun, but it was it was hectic and it flew by so quick. Do you have a goal in mind of where you want to get to, or are you just kind of seeing what happens? Um, I just right now I'm kind of just seeing what happens. I yeah. obviously want to get to the point where I can can be a musician full time, or at yeah. least work with music music full time. Yeah, because I feel like now that I've done all the the grunt work to get to where I am. I have a lot of knowledge that I could offer to young people that are also yeah. wanting to, to pursue a, a creative career. Yeah. You know, like the marketing side of things or, you know, anything. I just, I want to be able to help others to do what they love too. That seems like it's a big part of you helping other people. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I have always been a a person that really... Uh, had a lot of value in family and friends yeah. and being around people that I love and just making people happy is is like my goal in life I guess so you you were born in Nova Scotia yes and born then, and raised okay all river when did Nova you Scotia? depart to New Brunswick uh I, I moved away from Nova Scotia three years ago um I was 24 I had just graduated from Dalhousie University okay and, uh, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of job opportunities in Halifax and my family's from Northern New Brunswick and I knew I'd done a, a work placement at the hospital up there and I knew that they were looking for people. So after Dal, I decided, okay, I'm going to move to New Brunswick. I always wanted to, as a kid, we would go up to Northern New Brunswick where my mom and dad are both from. And I felt a sense of belonging there that. It was just something that I couldn't couldn't experience anywhere else because my parents' families were known there. And in, in Nova Scotia, the name Bujot is not very common and nobody knew anything about me or my family when we were growing up. I was the oldest uh, brother too. So going to school, I didn't have any anybody to show me the ropes, you know? Right. Mm. So I had to be able to make friends and I did. I was lucky to have great friends and that's why I'm down here today is because of my good friend Joe who passed just this summer and we had a golf tournament yesterday in in his memory and you should have seen everybody there all my yeah. friends from high school that were still tight you know it's special you know when you have bonds like that with people you gotta you gotta nurture them because you know if you if you get too lonely if you spend too much time alone well I don't know you're like it would suck. <laughs> you seem like you're really close with your bandmates. We we played a show together at the World Juniors. Yes. The night Canada won gold, actually. Yeah. And uh That was awesome. You you guys just seem like you're really good buddies and you had a had a crew with you, some photographers and stuff, a videographer, and you just you seem like you're really close and that, that that is 
an important thing to you. Well, that's what, that's what, that's the glue that holds it, it all together is the friendship that we share. And, yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not asking anybody to do anything that they don't want to do. I'm trying to make sure everybody is respected and appreciated and happy, you know? I, I think it's, it's like all or nothing, you know, we can, we can all benefit, you know, and yes, it takes a lot of, of money and energy to, to make it happen. But I think it's important to, to split everything up equally and not be in it for the money. You know, before any of this, this music business stuff started, it was all just about the music. And that's what it is at the end of the day. Mm. It's all about the music and the four guys that I'm, or three guys that I'm playing with on stage right now are the best dudes I've ever played music with. Yeah. And they're my best buddies too. It must make just going to work that much more fun. <laughs> like not only do you get to go be rock stars on stage, but you get to do it with your buds. Yeah. I don't even see playing music as work right now because I have a job, right? I see that yeah. as work. Yes. Um, the more that I do perform you know the more that i invest in my music career it does i do start to treat it like work mm -hmm. you know at the beginning it was like oh we're getting a gig we're gonna play for a free pitcher of beer we're gonna have a wicked night yeah <laughs> now it's like no i need i need actually like to be in shape i don't want to get drunk even when we're playing 10 to 2 with bar scenes you know mm -hmm. it's a it's a tough gig and we're playing a lot of those it's interesting, though, to say you don't see it as work because it just it speaks to this illusion that we're under, I think, that you have to dislike your, what you're doing, your mm -hmm. job for it to be work. Mm -hmm. I, I hosted a workshop at the gallery a few weeks ago and somebody said to me, I can't believe this is your job. And I, I get that. But I, it also was like, just because I love what I'm doing doesn't mean that I'm not going to work mm -hmm. every day. I'm still putting my energy into that. And isn't it funny that we just kind of assume that we, we don't like work. We don't like yeah. the job that we do. So true. But uh, I think everybody needs to find something that they enjoy. Or if, if you're not, you know, you have to find enjoyment in what you're doing. I think that's the key to being happy and to leaving a, like living a good life is just to be passionate about something, find something that drives you and find something that you enjoy and do it, you know, stop working a, a nine to five. If you're miserable, get out of it and try something new. Mm -hmm. Take, take leaps of faith. Like you guys are leading by example, you know, Kristen, Mike, you guys are inspiring me with every podcast I listen to. You just, I feel like I'm sitting in the studio with you and I'm listening to it. You guys are so friendly. And the moment I met Mike, I'm like, I like this guy. I want to be his friend. <laughs> I had that well, thing happen uh, to me too. <laughs> well, I'm very uh, honored that you, uh, you're finding inspiration in, in these episodes we're putting out there. And that's ultimately all we're, we're trying to do here. And mm -hmm. we, we started this with, no real idea where it would go, what would happen. And we get to meet so many people and spread their story, spread our story and just have these like-minded people come into our life. And mm. with this, it ultimately is exactly what you're saying, like finding something you love to do and just do it because you enjoy it. And the podcast for us has just become this 
center off even our social life really because we're we're with people so often and they become our friends and we're talking for an hour and a half with someone and afterwards you just have this bond together mm. so yeah mu- music for me has always always been the same and it did change a little when it became my full-time profession like i got to make my full living off this like, yeah certainly yeah. love love playing and always will and but there is there's more pressure with it when you are relying on it for for the bills and and even the podcast like mm-hmm. we we're not we're not relying on this right now for for our income like it's nice to get the little sponsorship money here and there and a night at a hotel <laughs> or a pack of uh granola bars you yes. know the things that we we get have been amazing from it but it is, yeah, there is a little bit of a shift that occurs when you when you have to make at your the way you're buying your your groceries, you know. Yeah, I know. I can imagine. I'm I'm looking at that, you know. I right the moment I'm in between two jobs, which sounds terrible, but I have a job, guys. Don't worry, I'm going to be employed here in a second. <laughs> Just taking a week off. But um, where was I going? You know, it's uh, I'm I'm in the process of transitioning towards that life that I've always yeah. wanted and it's not happening overnight it's a little little bit of work every day that's going into it right like I'm going down to four days a week working as an occupational therapist instead of five to give me that one day a week extra to work in my music yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that that's gonna free me up quite a bit of of um just time to do the things that I know I, I should be doing like and, applying for things, blah, 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 and contacting people. And we've learned there's no right or wrong way to do any of this. Mm-hmm. Like some people love the stability off their nine to five and want to have some type of artistic career kind of on the side. And then they can just enjoy it completely without worrying about how you survive. And Kristen, this is something you're kind of trying to figure out as you're now almost two years into being a professional artist, like living with the highs and lows, the ups and downs, and just how to how to, how to make it all work. And we have this conversation from time to time. And again, like there's, there's no, it's not a bad thing if you need to have a, another job on the side or yeah. do, do something to support it while you grow, or maybe you, you're you never want to leave that stability off mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. of some type of hourly paid gig because the uncertainty in the creative world is just something you don't want to live with so yeah well it's tough you know for for somebody like i've i feel like a lot of people are in similar boat than me you know you finish university you're you have debts to pay off you need to yeah. work to pay those debts off to and then, you know, you're trying to buy a house and it's so expensive and then everything's so expensive and you're like, how the heck am I going to afford to live? And I'm just like, I'm just in debt. I'm just going to, I'm just going to suck it up. I'm going to make some music and just go with the flow. And so far it's been working pretty good. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by the amazing Wilson's Coastal Club. This resort has eight cottages ranging from bachelor to three bedroom units. So you can take the whole family along, including your fur babies. Dogs are welcome. 
Mallory and Kyle, the owners, are two awesome people who have created the perfect getaway for you. And we've stayed there ourselves, and, you know, we felt like two little kids on vacation. This hidden gem is right on the ocean. They've got a private beach with loungers for all of their guests, e-bikes, and all of the water sports like stand-up paddle boards, kayaking, swimming, and the ambient sound of the waves. A lot of wildlife there, too. Loons. Ducks. Seals. Cranes. Deer. Bunnies. And more bunnies! Woo! (laughs) As if this place wasn't awesome enough, they're also offering fitness classes on the beach, wellness retreats, and meditation workshops. Wilson's Coastal Club is open all year round. And if you're worried about the Nova Scotia winter nipping at your nose, don't fret, they've got you covered. They're offering Canadian-made cedar wood-fired hot tubs and oceanfront 10-foot red cedar panoramic view barrel saunas coming this fall. Located at 7532 St. Margaret's Bay Road in Bootlears Point, Nova Scotia, you can book your stay at wilsonscoastalclub.com. And if you book before October 30th and use the discount code Mike and Kristen, you'll receive 15% off your stay. Woo! Private beach! Bonfires! Whoa, good times in the maritime! S'mores! I love talking to people that are, as you've described, in transition. Yeah. Because I think it's kind of this curious spot that isn't talked about as much as perhaps hearing somebody's story of resilience when they're on the other side of things. Mm -hmm. Because they then have the benefit of looking back and saying like, oh no, like you can do it. But there's this whole chunk of time in between. And like Mike's described, I'm a year and a half now into full-time entrepreneurship. Congrats. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) But it's only now that I have time on my side to look back on and say, okay, I, I can reflect on maybe these patterns I go through of worrying are people going to go to the show or buy stuff or you know what's our stability going to look like Mm -hmm. but i've got kind of evidence now to say okay it will be all right but you also have to accept that there will be points of anxiety and worry and maybe a lot of money isn't coming in this month like sometimes zero is coming in this month yeah and next month could be great it's Mm -hmm. It's psychologically and emotionally taken me quite a bit of time to find that equilibrium where it's not just panic and then everything's awesome. Panic, everything's awesome. Yeah. There's like a little more like these ups and downs are leveling off a little bit, but I have needed to go through this to arrive here. Mm -hmm. So I love that you've said you're kind of in the middle of this too, but you're taking steps to allow more room for your creativity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what's the four-day-a-week gig that you're entering I, in now? Well, I'm going to go working in community mental health mm. as an occupational therapist. And I've always been curious about working in mental health because I know that so many of us have battles, ups and downs with mental health. I've had some myself, and a lot of people that I know have admitted it to me, and I want to be better equipped to help, you know, I think it's important that there are good people out there helping people that are down because it takes good people to get you out of that rut sometimes. Yeah. Do you see it a lot in the industry? In the music industry? Yeah. Uh, Yes, I guess a little bit. Um, I think it goes with 
the the uncertainty of you know the the industry as well because like you say there's sometimes where you're you're getting gigs like the world juniors you get to play with the town heroes <laughs> what the heck this is amazing it's like best show of my life and then <laughs> the next month you're just playing a same bar again but you know you got to treat every show like you know what i mean this could be this could be the one where somebody in the crowd's going to book me for the big one you know what i mean yeah um, yeah mike's always given me that advice too but again you you have 20 years experience yeah yeah it's a something i guess i built up over time for sure and i start i guess i started this this ride as a 20 20 ish year old where me and my band at the time our confidence was like sky high right. <laughs> so, so we, yeah. we weren't afraid of anything in the world yeah like we'd have nothing but a tub of margarine in the fridge <laughs> and uh no like potential breaks coming up it's not even a close to a worry at all yeah. so that confidence got us through a period of time until things got better <laughs> and we were able to afford some food and all that. And I think, I think when you really believe in something, you're not, a, you're not afraid of any outcome because you know that mm. at some point this, this good thing that you're envisioning is going to come to fruition. Yeah. And that's kind of how I started. And obviously there's been ups and downs and periods where I would work random jobs as a live mannequin in a window or whatever it may be. No like, way. Oh, yeah. That was the hardest I've ever seen my dad laugh. It was like right before Christmas. And uh, some somebody, uh, like a, a friend, said, oh, I know someone who's looking for a live mannequin. I'm like, I'll do that. So. <laughs> And it was the best job I think I ever had. I just had to sit in a window, read magazines. It was a magazine store. No way. And uh, they'd give me free tea, as much tea as I wanted. And it was like December uh, 22nd or Mike's something. Mike's dream job is getting is free so tea. It's so caper. <laughs> I was just reading like National Geographic and Sports Illustrated and getting paid. I'm like, this well, is see, you know, it's like you're going to get a gig like that every once in a while and it's going to be super exciting. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, I see um, there's two different, you know, situations that I see that are causing people harm in their mental health. One is uncertainty. Like yeah. that, no, there's no stability in life. And then the other one is that life is way too boring. And you, you know, you mm. go, you go to university, mm. you get the job. Oh, you're working for the government. Cool. And five years from now, you're going to plateau your salary. And then you're going to have to do the same thing for 35 years. Mm. Some people so... are like, okay, cool. Not me. I'm like, no, I got things I want to do. And, uh, this is not it. This is. That's like, you know, when they talk about Max Bougeot when I'm dead and gone, it's not going to be like, oh yeah, he was just an occupational therapist. It's going to be like, no, he was much more than that. And that's what I'm trying to do is just to do all the things that I want to do with this life because. Is legacy important to you? It is. Yeah. I come from a a family, you know, uh, the Bougeot name is well known in Northern New Brunswick, Yeah, which I find is really cool. My grandparents and their generations were were just known as good people, hardworking, and um, they're just, you know, if I tell people I'm a Bujo in northern New Brunswick, they're like, 
oh yes, I know your aunt or I know your uncle or whatever. Good yeah. people, you know. Mm. So I think that it is important to me to to just not do anybody any harm and yeah. be as good of a person as I can be and leave a good legacy and also inspire other people to take chances like you guys are doing. You know, I want to, yeah. I want other people to chase their dreams like I'm doing. It's hard, especially you've given these examples from experience of where you see these two buckets of mm-hmm. you can find yourself kind of, and they seem the opposite of one another Yeah, and really finding that sweet spot. It's, it's hard because you're also given this opposing advice. Like one, you'll hear from someone who you admire that you should chase your dreams oh, yeah. and, you know, follow your bliss and all of this. But then you need a pension. But then what you about need a pension. That? Exactly. What are you going to do like, when you're old? So what do I do again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess as we get older, we have the benefit of knowing ourselves. Uh, and that helps us mm-hmm. follow follow that path or, or even yeah. figure out what it is. But... It's tough because I remember, you know, the desire to make sure that I was going to be able to have a family one day. I needed to find some sort of path that it would give me stability. And yeah, I went down, I went to university and I felt like that's what I needed to do. And so I did it and I'm glad I did it. You know, I'm glad I have that. I'm glad I am who I am today. And I'm glad that I'm an occupational therapist because it's taught me so much not even just what I know in that realm, but also the process of going through university and all of that, all the, all those struggles that shaped me as a person and that shaped my songs as well. It's a great point. Like all the songs that are coming out on this EP that I'm putting I'm putting together. It's all about that struggle, you know, and the, the indecision, whether to do it or not, you know, that's the, literally the name of my EP is the gamble. It's like, should I put it all on the table or fold and run? And uh, it's just all about, you know, am I going to really do this or am I just going to keep dreaming about doing it? And uh, I, I decided, you know what, frick, I'm going to do this. When a lot of young people will ask for advice, like how do you become a better songwriter or how do you, how do you get more creativity in into you? And one of the things I often say is just live life. Like, yeah. You have to get out there and have things happen to you. And Yeah, don't be afraid to try. And it, it's not always just good things. Like you have to go through, you have to have your heart broken. You have yep. to lose someone. Like, And you don't want to force those things. <laughs> no. Like, like that's just going to naturally happen. But uh, just meeting people of all different backgrounds and people who are different than you and having conversations that maybe aren't exactly what you agree with. Like you have to know how the world works and what people out there are experiencing. You can't mm-hmm. just be in your bedroom and create because you don't know how to relate with the rest of the world. So having, having stories and just having people you can just think off like oh yeah that guy had this funny opinion about this but maybe maybe i can put that into a song or whatever it may be but i think yeah just getting out there and living your life and having things actually happen and and yeah going to university working a job like you're taking in all these experiences you're meeting people you're seeing Mm -hmm. the rewards of helping people and you had to study for exams and yeah like all those things 
do help you become a creative person because that is just what life is. Yeah, you got to go through the school of hard knocks. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does pursuing music feel like you're taking a risk? Yeah, in a way. I mean, the like the desire to pursue music fully and leave the stable job and life that I've built for myself. You know, that's that's the risk. That's the gamble I feel is on the table, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you know, I'm I'm playing my I feel like I'm playing my chips well based on the, my situation. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm doing as much as I can to start the music career and if it really takes off, well then sweet. Then I'll just transition out of OT, but for now, you know, I need to continue to work in OT to survive, to pay off my debts and also like I'm learning so much. I'm still a young adult, right? I'm still learning how to do this whole adulting thing. Yeah. So I'm trying out different jobs. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I had, I had a permanent full-time job with a pension at the hospital in Camelton. And I decided to leave that because that's not what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't want to stay there. My parents were like, what are you doing? You got to you got it made. You got a government job. Like you, you're set for life. And I'm like, I'm going to be bored. I'm, I'm already bored. And I don't think this is for me. And so I'm going to go with my gut and take a leap of faith and leave. That was a big step. And I was also going through a lot of, a lot personally during that transition into a new job. Uh, around the time where my, one of my songs that's out now, Ever Coming Back, was written. I was going through a hard breakup, and I was also transitioning to a new job. And that was really tough, you know? And the outlet that music gave me, the writing that song allowed me, literally set me free. I felt like, I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be writing songs like this. And then I met a friend, Jean Mock, who has a home studio, and then we started recording. And then... I was like, oh, I'm finally going to be able to, to do that album that I've always dreamt about recording. And John Mock was like, you got good songs, man. You got a good voice. Let's, let's record some of that stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll be there tomorrow. And I just was there every night of the week sometimes. Like, I'd go to work, and then right after work, I'd drive to his place and spend the rest of the night in the studio working on recordings. And uh, that's sort of the routine. It's... Eight to four OT and then four to bedtime thinking, you know, just feeling like I'm, I am that person. I'm that musician. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, it's, uh, when I'm an OT, it's like, okay, I have to be in this sort of role and leave part of that musician identity out because I have to be professional and I have to, you know, focus on my, the task at hand being an OT you just can't get rid of the musician in me. Like I'm always thinking about music and ideas for music videos or little funny videos. I love just creating things and being creative. How important is songwriting as an outlet for you? Oh, big time. It's that's my, like, that's, I think that's my claim to fame as a musician. Like my strength is being able to, to write songs. And I, a lot of my, friends in the music business are are also 
on board with that statement, they'll be like, yeah, man, like you can freaking crank out a song in no time. And I just, I don't stop myself. Like sometimes I remember when I started writing songs, it was like, oh, that's too cliche or that doesn't rhyme with that or it has to rhyme. It's like, no, just let it flow. Whatever, whatever you think should be, just do it, write it down record it has is you know maybe it'll change later on but just just disinhibit yourself yeah Yeah. let it happen i want to ask you both about identity Mm. you use this word like a music a musician's identity versus perhaps your your day job do you have something in mind of what that looks like that you're in pursuit of that you're working towards like i want to be this future version of myself or do you find that when you're playing music and in that environment, that's kind of the quote, real you? It definitely feels like the real me. You know, when I'm on stage, freaking scream my ass off into the microphone and dancing. I just love it. And it feels like almost beyond me, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, this is what I'm here to do. I just know it in my bones. Very cool. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Do you feel like you've arrived at the idea that you might have of this is who I am? I feel like I've kind of always been there. I feel like the hard thing is getting getting out all the things that I want to. Um, but I feel like my identity is, is solid, is set in, set in stone and... Mm-hmm. I guess it's more just per- portraying that identity to others to get them to recognize me as that. Mm. Like, right. F- yeah. For me, it's, I'm the, I don't think I'm like trying to find who am I? Like, I think I know pretty well who I am. The, the struggle or just the challenge or what, what you need to do is to let other people understand that and, and, able when they think of you that's what they picture you as like yeah because like as a musician people are gonna know you based on what music they can listen to right so if yeah. you only have two of your songs out let's say like because i'm now i've got four out there but people are seeing different sides of me musically through each song just like you mike you're yeah. showing more of your identity through each song or each interaction like we're having now um and I, it's it's a pretty cool thing, eh? Yeah, and and like I guess it's you grow up in a small town or something. You have an, probably an identity from from what you were at a certain point in time, and and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's you don't need to go, hey, I'm this person now. You guys have to. Yeah, like in middle school, I, my identity was I'm a BMXer and I wear <laughs> skinny jeans and I listen to heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, and then your identity changes so much throughout high school and even university and even as an adult, right? You're like, we're always becoming a little bit more, you know, we're always forming more identity, Mm -hmm. I guess. We're building. We're building. We're aging and having more experiences. Okay. Now what about having, cause you both are in different kind of parts of your career and so you know again mike i I say this all the time on the podcast but you have the benefit of experience behind you 
Do you feel, and I want to ask this to both of you again, do you feel that as your career progresses and you have more achievements, we'll say, so maybe it's anything from getting a grant, like you Mm -hmm. talked about, to, you know, getting to open for a great band or travel or play a cool venue, the more that that happens, does it, does it put some kind of pressure or expectation on yourself? Because that can change how you relate to your identity. Like you... You can go in and be like, I have nothing to lose here. When we started podcasting, it was like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. So you're Mm -hmm. not caught up in that. After time goes by, you start to think about, am I a good interview or did I articulate that question correctly? Like there's things that you maybe judge yourself about that you wouldn't have at the earlier days. How does that experience impact your work? I mean, I guess the higher you get, you know, you're raising the bar for yourself, so your expectations of yourself become more, you know what I mean? Um, let's say, for example, just in terms of singing, I feel like my singing has improved a lot in the last two years just because I'm now I'm performing a lot more, I'm in the studio recording a lot more, and I'm getting so much more feedback. And now when I perform, I'm always trying to be as close to perfect in my mind as possible. But, you know, nothing's ever perfect per se. Mm-hmm. But you're, you've, it's like you're always trying to get a little bit closer to, deve- uh, to delivering the product, the best product that you can. I think you, ne- of yourself. you never want to go backwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't ever want to get to a certain point. Yeah, like and- for lose momentum or for example you know like the town heroes is a well-known name now right mike ryan's not gonna go play for a pitcher of beer at the student (laughs) bar you know what i mean he's he's deserved he deserves a lot more respect than than that but somebody's favorite town hero song could be one off your first album yeah as well right yeah so there's that kind of way of thinking about it well that's when something becomes your favorite song, for example, like a lot of the times it's the circumstances around your life at that time, how that becomes your favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, And maybe, yeah, maybe we wrote a better song back then than the ones now, or maybe it's, yeah, this person was, I don't know, falling in love at the time and heard this song and that's always going to remind them of that moment or whatever. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, we a lot of things were aligned to make that become someone's favorite song or yeah, maybe it is just better than it was or it's better than something new we've created. We can't control, I guess what people are going to latch on to, I guess back to the, the the start of the question there. I think like we're saying, like you don't want to, you don't want to ever be going backwards. You Mm want to, keep the momentum and keep improving upon that. And I think every, every artist gets to a point where they, or never gets to a point where they're just satisfied. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're always trying to do better than the last time. And I'd say a lot of people, when they realize maybe they're done is when they start to go back or they Mm -hmm. can't go there. They feel like they're plateaued. Yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta be careful too because well i mean in one sense you gotta go through the the crappy times to see some of the good benefits like 
for an exa- for example, like you know, if you want to make a living off music, well, you're not going to get ridiculously well paid shows all the time out of nowhere. Like you're going to have to grind. You're going to have to do some shows. Yeah, just for for change to get known, and then eventually, you know, your bar gets higher. Let's say like a band's asking price. It changes with time. It changes with, you know, how much effort you've put, been putting in, how good the product is, how often do you want to be performing? Like, oh, I don't want to be, you know, playing playing three bar shows a week forever. You know what I mean? I know that that's going to tire me out. But mm-hmm. in the first couple of years, I'm like, okay, let's, let's put the pedal to the floor and let's really make an an impact and i think that it's been working because we're going to the music awards next week (laughs) and you're nominated for an award what's what's your nomination uh breakthrough artist of the year with music new brunswick so cool congratulations it was pretty surreal to get that email i was like wow it was pretty surreal just to get their their support like when i applied for my first grant for our single that came out in january it was called love renegade and it was my first time doing a music video and they sponsored me for that and the first music video was like oh what are we doing all right let's go outside and let's uh let's film some stuff let's go film you playing guitar and oh let's go over here try that okay cool <laughs> and eventually you know the second music video I was like okay now i have a storyline an idea like let's do it this way and then you know i, I really enjoy just always trying to level up you know what are what are we doing here and the last music video we just put out um heart thief it just came out friday uh the 13th and uh it's the best music video we've done so far it shows a lot of my funnier side i was getting a lot getting more serious with the other two songs because that's what the song's called for but this song heart thief it's just a rocking tune that i wrote from a sort of like a third person's perspective it's not directly about me it's sort of about the heart thief the type of person who can unapologetically get whatever they want in life and some people you know we were jealous of those people but at the end of the day like we all want to be that person who who does what they do and they don't feel bad about it mm-hmm. the idea of heart thief is music video is that me and the boys are farmhands and we're strolling up onto the farm where uh, our friend Matt, he actually owns a farm and he lives as a farmer. Nice. Um, so we went to his farm and my girlfriend is playing the the actress in the music video. She's the farmer's daughter. And the plot of the music video is me, the heart thief, steals the farmer's daughter off of the farm. And it's just, it's just a funny, uh, funny storyline. <laughs> yeah. So have you met her father? Um, <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because in the song, like the lyrics are like, well, your daddy might shoot me and your mama might cry. So don't bring me home, girl. Not tonight. It's totally not me. You know what I mean? I'm, I try to be as gentlemanly as possible, <laughs> but I got into that character for that song and it feels so good. That's fun. To perform it. It's just a rocking tune. And, uh, you know, you, you don't have to just be yourself. You can be whoever you want to be as an artist, you know, yeah. let, let the creativity flow. And 
I love that idea of kind of being a character mm-hmm. in the songwriting and like this isn't because it's a harder thing to do, perhaps, than just speaking from lived experience. And mm-hmm. This is who I am. How do you find when you're performing live, your is your stage presence a, a performance or a character as well? Uh, yes, it may be in a way, but at the same time, like, I feel like it's just part of me. I love rocking out and I feel like it feels better mm-hmm. when I'm really into it on stage, like dancing and looking at my bandmates and the audience interacting. Like it just, it makes the the whole experience more fun for me. You know, I'm getting I'm getting more of a high off of the adrenaline. Yeah. And I'm giving everybody else that high too. You know what I mean? So. What's it like to be a member of the ECMA Cup winning hockey team? <laughs> oh, it's pretty pretty big uh, pretty big deal. Speaking of the high. I don't know if I didn't know if we were gonna brag about that one, Mike, but uh yeah. It's pretty sweet. That was super fun. And uh I hadn't played hockey in like two years before jumping on that ice with, with you and everybody that yeah. day. And I was nervous. I was like, holy crap, I'm going to go play with all these big shots and I'm just a nobody and I don't even know if I remember how to skate. Yeah. You played lots of hockey though, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it had been so long. Like, I, don't even, I don't even watch hockey anymore and I yeah. spent from age 5 to 17 in rinks. Yeah. You know, coming out here, I remember playing the Tassa Ducks in St. Margaret's Bay here. Yeah. Not far from your guys' spot, you know? Mm-hmm. So what compelled you to sign up for the hockey game being so terrified? Well, I, I wanted to meet people. Nice. I wanted to just be a part of be a part of it. And I'm so glad I did because that's exactly what happened. Like, met some really cool dudes like Rankin McGinnis. Yeah. And friggin', yeah, some other super awesome artists. Yeah. And uh, there's only good things to come from engaging in something fun you know you've always been great at that though max like i think we maybe chatted a bit online but we met i think for the first time in person at the ecmas as well and you were just so friendly and came right up to us and introduced yourself and i i really admire people like that that are just i want to put myself out there and you, mm-hmm. maybe you're afraid or not to do that but you're doing it anyways and like signing up for this hockey game and yeah there's like nhl players on the team yeah like, exactly that would be a really nerve-wracking <laughs> thing they don't try though it was funny you could tell who they were though they weren't oh, yeah. doing slap shots but they were doing magic tricks with the pocket scene like yeah. were, were you on the ice at the very end when uh, the other team pulled the goalie, uh, like it was funny. Like, we were just going through our lines. Like we weren't. Like, if you happen to be up, you you were on at this time, right? Yeah. And at the very end of the game, me and Bruce, I thought you were on there. I too. might have been. I think us three were on the ice. Yeah. They pulled their goalie and they put all the best players on. <laughs> and I'm looking back at her bench, like, why the hell am I on? <laughs> like we got an NHL player and like <laughs> to get me on. We were in the lead. They did it just to entertain the crowd, yeah. I think. And they uh <laughs> but they put on like their good players, like yeah. guy who just retired from professional hockey, Steve Dixon, played with the it's the screaming cool. eagles in the Cape Breton, but and he was going hard. He was trying to score. <laughs> I was like, how am I supposed to stop? But we did stop them. Though. They didn't yeah. score, and we got the win. It so. was super. I remember I was so close to getting the puck in the net a few times, but I just 
didn't have any hands. Like yeah. it's like I forgot how to use my hockey stick. I could remember how to skate, but my hands weren't working. Yeah. I remember someone's. You were saying, "Ah, oh, I can't wear. I haven't been able to wear my skates in." And someone's <laughs> like, "How long have you had them?" And you're like, 10 years." <laughs> See, I don't play often enough. I haven't broken my skates in. It's yeah. been a few years. Yeah, still breaking them in. <laughs> that was oh, that's funny. funny. Yeah. Oh no, it was super fun, man. Oh man, sitting on the bench. Mike and Bruce was there. Was like, holy frick! Every shift he was complaining about how winded he was. Nauseous. And I was like, you're just using more of your wind by talking, man. Just, just, just breathe. Let's go. We're gonna do this. We gotta get back out there in thirty seconds. Here we go. Let's go. And then yeah. you're skating left and right, man. Oh yeah, we're going You'll hard. have to play the basketball next year uh, too. I, they, you know what? I'm not much of a basketball player, but my friends growing up were basketball players, and they. I remember we'd play like outdoor basketball and I didn't really know what I was doing. So I would just make my legs and arms go all over the place to distract them. And then I'd sometimes try to swat them. And sometimes I would use a little bit too much body and they'd be like, yo, that's a foul. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I play contact sports. And anyways, they called me crazy legs on the court. Ooh, defender. Yeah, I'm no good. Anyways, this one time I played in an actual game of basketball and uh, I was coming across center. And somebody's like, shoot it. And I didn't even think. I just freaking whipped the ball from half court. <laughs> I don't even know if I hit the backboard, but uh, yeah. I'm a good team player, at least. <laughs> you just make of, everybody smile on the team. Yeah. A lot of sports-orientated things around the music industry. Yeah, well, I, I grew up playing all sorts of sports. You know, I was trying every sport. Volleyball, hockey, football, baseball, soccer. And... You know, music was the one thing that I never, never identified as like, I was always like, oh yeah, I'm going to be in the NHL or oh, I'm going to be a famous sports guy because mm. for some reason that seemed more achievable mm. until I got older. And then I was like, yeah, no, dude, you're not going to the NHL. You may as well just give up. And then um, I had to work too. I was like, okay, I'm not going to play high school hockey. I'm just going to play non-competitive and then started doing more music, you know. Was part of the allure with sports and maybe music now the the pursuit of fame? Uh not really, like I was just to be successful and just to be appreciated and to do something that you love for a living. That was the allure, like I don't really want to be like Justin Bieber or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be that'd be crappy. You do couldn't you go anywhere. Do you feel successful now? Yeah, I do. Awesome. Like, it's really, really a good feeling. Like You can still go into public. <laughs> Every once in a while, somebody would be like, hey. Success, I can go out in public. Yeah, so sometimes somebody's like, hey, I recognize you. Yeah, yeah. And that's nice to get that, you know, every once in a while. But, you know, if you couldn't go anywhere, I think that would be pretty annoying. Yeah, my yeah idol, I hear what you're saying. My idol for years, and probably still to this day, is Matt Mays. I think that dude is friggin' awesome, and yeah. his level of success and fame, like, if I could achieve that, I would, that would be, like, my goal. So I'm chasing, I'm chasing Matt. I'm coming for you, Matty. You're sitting in the same spot where we interviewed Matt there just last year. That blows yeah. my mind, you know, to just think, um, at age 14, I was watching him perform and idolizing the dude and now i'm sitting on the same couch doing the same thing <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. that's freaking cool yeah 
Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. And I, I agree that there's, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying now about going out in public of like, yeah, you don't have to worry about paparazzi. Like there's that extremeness to mm. fame and success mm-hmm. as well that could be. But Matt's pretty f- famous dude around here. Oh, I think he's... he lives in Ontario now, doesn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. in Hamilton. Cool. I wonder if that has anything to do with like the fame, trying to get away from it or, or if it's just like. Or a girl. Who knows? (laughs) Those girls, eh? Yeah, I got one that just just walked in my life recently. And I had just told myself, I was like, okay, if I need to be single for years to do this musician thing, so be it. And that's when she showed up. Yeah, right then and there. I was like, holy crap. Where'd you guys meet? Uh, It was a funny story. She's she's like my good friend, Jamak, the guy who helped me start my whole music career, basically. It's his cousin. And one day... He was like, oh, I'm not home, but I'm at my aunt's place. Come swing by. And I swung by and I saw her and I was like, holy smokes, <laughs> who are you? And then we went, on a, we went on, a, on a date. And as soon as I dropped her off, I had a song in mind about, because I didn't kiss her on the first date. And I really wished that I would have. But that gentleman in me was like, no, no, just don't kiss her on the first date. Wait, wait a little bit. <laughs> and then I was leaving and I was like, Crap, I should have kissed her. And then I, I wrote a song called about, you know, wanting to kiss her on the first date. And it's actually it. a super fun tune. And uh, I play it live sometimes, but it's not going to be on the EP that I'm working on. It'll be on the album to come after that. What does she think of the song? She loves it. Yeah, It's a super fun tune. And uh, I actually, I wrote it and I performed it for her on our second date. And you bet your ass I kissed her then. (laughs) That's a great story. Yeah, yeah, it was good stuff. Corny, but I mean, it's it's great. It's a feel good tune. That's that's life. Have you seen the new Barbie movie? No. So there's this. I don't think I'm giving too much away, but I've seen it twice. I went first with a girlfriend, and then Mike and I went. And there's a scene with (laughs) there's a scene with the guys playing music for the girls like all the barbies and there's yeah. probably five or six of them all doing the same thing simultaneously and you just told this very heartwarming story but it's <laughs> hilarious because it's capturing this thing about how awkward it is for the girl to have to watch the guy for like four minutes while he looks into her eyes yeah. singing and you're like how am i supposed to respond to this and like if we're at a show and mike's like oh i wrote this song for Kristen," the whole room turns and stares at me yeah, because they want to see my reaction because it is a romantic gesture mm-hmm. but you're also like i i have heard this song before <laughs> yeah. i know about it but yeah that scene is yeah. very hilarious keep your eyes open for it you're both like upset with me now <laughs> no we're not we're not we're just like i don't know what the barbie movie's all about but i'll have to check it out for you Kristen. yeah yeah watch that scene and think of me yeah. it's pretty funny yeah yeah so you've got an EP coming up and a full-length album on the horizon. This is well, the goal? The EP is my is my goal right now. Like we've put out three singles and three music videos this year. Okay. And that's all leading up to the EP release. I decided to do a six-song EP to start. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, with the amount of time and whatnot that I have, I set that as a realistic goal. I was hoping that it would be done this fall. But with all the touring that we did this summer, it, uh, you know, it took a, took a back burner because we had to get out there and perform all the shows that we were getting booked for, which was super fun. You know, we had a blast and now coming into the fall, things are slowing down a little bit in terms of gigs, but finishing up that EP, which is basically done, 
And then my goal is to release that in February after the whole Christmas buzz dies down. Mm-hmm. Also gives me time to sort of unwind a little bit, uh, start my new job next week or yeah. And then get, to get the foundation, you know, be able to enjoy the holiday season with my family and whatnot. And then next year, let's go. It's uh it's going to be a big year with the release of our EP. I'm hoping to do three more music videos so that every song on the EP has its own music video. Nice. nice. Yeah. And I just love making music videos. It's a fun thing to do. And it's, uh, I don't know. I've always loved movies. I've always, you know, dreamt about being an actor and stuff like that. And now I'm like, well, Frank, I can make a music video and I can be my own actor. Yeah. Hmm. You can wear your hockey skates yeah, in it too. You can. Bring all your worlds together. Yeah. Freaking right. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Oh, yeah. And uh, what was I going to say? I forget. Nope, totally forgot it. It's all good, there. Man. So oh. where should uh, where should folks find your your music and your videos? What's the best place to direct an audience to? Um, well, my my website is maxbujomusic.com. Mm-hmm. My Instagram is maxbujot. My Facebook page is maxbujomusic, and those are the most active places to find me and stay up to date with what's going on. YouTube, maxbujomusic is music as well. That's where I got my my YouTube videos and my my music videos. Um, yeah, reach out. I love hearing from people and uh, love meeting people. So if anybody uh, hears this podcast and it speaks to them, I would love to to hear from them. And uh, thanks again, guys, for having me. It's super fun to come chat with you guys. Um, I hope to see awesome, you guys buddy. again soon. For sure, as soon as I can come down to Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like things are really just going well for you right now, and you've made this happen. You've worked mm. for it, so huge congratulations. Yeah, you know, it wasn't always looking so groovy. Like right now, sure. things are are pretty awesome, and there were times we were really challenging just in the last couple of years, and I was I like I felt like all these these emotions like rage and just like discontentment, and I feel like I could have. D- acted out in different ways but i decided to to deal with things on my own and i feel like i did the right thing in many situations and doing the right thing finally led me to to all this success and all this good luck and you know it's like karma i believe you know if you put good energy into this world you will get it back and if it's like and vice versa if it's uh bad energy well it's going to come back too so that's why i try to just do as good as I can and be as happy as I can. Mm. And then it'll come back, you know? So I think yeah, you guys are doing the same thing. You guys give me that yeah. energy every time I tune into one of these podcasts. So Yeah, well, thank you. And that's, yeah, Keep those are great it. values to live by and, and happy that, uh, yeah, you were able to overcome some of those challenges mm-hmm. and reap the benefits of your, your kindness and your hard work. Yeah, and, you know, it's things can be tough, but if you keep going, then you might just, be as happy as you've ever been. Like there's uh, our tagline. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for being here, buddy. Appreciate it immensely. And uh, yeah, let's catch up again soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Cheers, bud. If you get my name wrong When 
the morning starts breaking, you'll be singing along. Cause I know how to rock you, and I know how to roll. With the punches you're throwing, when you're taking control. They call me the Desire. Let's be the fire. 